0: Hey, girl, are you quite done yelling at me today? Why don't you quit flapping your dick suckers for five (laughs) seconds and let's just do the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Ellen Marsh. (laughs) I guess. Hi. Patricia.
1: Okay, fine. That's how it's going to go today? Then that's how it's going to go today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen, Marsh, and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping the episode of ID's Disappeared that covered their case. We got to find a way to shorten that, don't you think?
0: Do you know every time I listen to the show, I think, Ah, oh, got it. I'm so glad I never have to do that. Like, it's just it's just been an unspoken rule that you always say it, and I yeah. literally hear it and hear how it deliciously rolls off your tongue. It's the only time in our recording that I'm actually genuinely grateful for you.
1: Oh, well, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join the Patreon. We are giving you three full bonus episodes every month. We're also giving you Friday Night Live as a podcast every Monday morning. We are doing monthly trivia, you guys. There's so much happening. Right now, we're in the middle of recapping um, a season of Snapped, girl. Those ladies are crazy. <laughs> Those...
0: <laughs> every time we watch an episode, we're like, this is crazy, right? These people are crazy. We just have to do a crazy check-in every week. Like, you still think this is crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Also on the Patreon, we have ad-free episodes. Also on our Instagram, we have a close friends list where you get a little bit more behind the scenes of Patrick and I and how we make this crazy ship function all the time. And we're loving bringing you all that extra content on Instagram.
1: So you guys, join the Facebook group as well. Um, it's the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. Come talk about the episodes. Find other true crime podcasts. Find your true crime best friends. Ellen and I are in there all the time. Ellen is going live, I don't know, several times a day at this point. Yeah. She's, she's real lonely, you guys. She's in there a lot.
0: I'm like, hey guys. Just <laughs> me again. Uh, checking in
1: (laughs) also lastly you guys follow us on Instagram the disappeared pod every Friday night we go live at 6 o'clock we call it Friday Night Live we catch up on the week we take your questions we sort of you know if there's new information in the case from that week we share it there I get a little hammered I make fun of Ellen it's fun for everybody All right, you guys, Disappeared Season 3, Episode 11, A Mother's Mission tells the story of the disappearance of Samantha Bunnell.
2: A rebellious teen who's run away before suddenly vanishes far from home.
3: If we couldn't get her home, she was going to end up something really bad.
2: Her fun night out with new friends turns into a nightmare. You know, she left with them. She didn't come back with them. Where's she at? It was panic. Investigators uncover frightening clues. My concern was that somebody may have been chasing her. Her mother begins an agonizing search through a shadowy world that leads to a shocking discovery.
3: It became my secret prison. I mean, that's maybe the worst thing I ever had to do. It was just heart-wrenching. My baby girl was missing and I had to find her.
2: So,
1: uh, right at the top, we learn a couple things.
2: 18-year-old Samantha Bennell and her 22-year-old boyfriend Chris worked together on a magazine crew a traveling group of young people
4: who sell magazine subscriptions door-to-door. We traveled around the United States. They would drop us off in different neighborhoods, basically just peddling magazines door-to-door. Sometimes it would be apartment buildings, condos, townhouses. As long as there was a door there, you'd knock on it.
1: We are told that 18-year-old Samantha Bunnell and 22-year-old boyfriend Chris worked together as part of a magazine crew selling magazines door-to-door. My first note, I have about 100 questions.
0: I have so
1: (laughs) many questions. Well, my question was just like... Is this 1946? Like, you guys, this is 2005. They're selling magazine subscriptions door to door. Were you subscribed to any magazines in 2005? Absolutely not. And like, to hear the story being told, these kids are like, they work for this company that drops
0: them in the middle of a neighborhood and they just go door to door in pairs. Right, now this could be anywhere in the country, which I was like, are you serious? So my main follow-up question is... Who's in charge? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I have one last question. What? 18 and 22. That seems like an inappropriate age gap to be dating. Am I wrong? Um- it's not you, girl. You remember dating, right? It's when you find somebody that is interested in you, and then you spend time together romantically, and then sometimes sexually. I, I just like, a refresher.
0: Yeah, I'm good, but you can <laughs> shut your suckhole any moment now. <laughs> this is my challenge to you. Is here, here it goes. Whenever something comes up where you feel like you want to, you know, bring me down because of my
1: lack of love in your life. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: I'm gonna challenge you to zip it before I break your hip. Just, (laughs) it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Let's see how far you can get. Okay, great. Great. But don't you think that's a big age difference? I dated a 36-year-old when I was 19 edit that out. Do I have to edit that out? I don't think my mom knew about that.
1: (laughs) You do know that you're old enough that she can't ground you anymore, right? (laughs) You do know that you're not going to like not get your allowance or whatever. Like, yeah, she can't hurt you now, girl. Yeah. Your mom can't. Well, actually, I take that back. Your mother could still kick your
0: ass. (laughs) Yeah, my mom is a double black belt in karate and taekwondo. She also, I'm fairly certain, still has a wooden spoon. So, (laughs) Your mother
1: being a double black belt in like taekwondo and karate is the equivalent of going to law school and medical school in my book why do you got to do both mama like the day you turned 14 your mom was like oh shit i'm gonna have to go back and get my taekwondo <laughs> and karate's not gonna be enough not for this one <laughs> not for this bitch
2: <laughs> samantha and chris met just a few months earlier in july he hit it off
4: right from the start she stood out to me she had bright eyes she was pretty bubbly she always had something nice to say about people and and i i really enjoyed that about her
1: So, Chris and Samantha, we find out they met a few months earlier. They hit it off right away. He just, like, describes her in these, like, beautiful terms. She was nice and bubbly and always had something nice to say about people. When I first saw Chris, I was like, I don't like you. You are 22, dating an 18-year-old, and then he starts talking, and I'm like, oh, you're really sweet, though.
0: Yeah. But he honestly seemed like kind of a little bit of a doofus. I love Chris.
1: I literally wrote, I was like, the down bitch of this episode's a guy. I love that Chris is kind of a down bitch.
0: He is. He definitely cared, but I just saying like he just seemed a little simple he might be listening to this do you want to apologize chris you're adorable (laughs) you don't have to be complicated and (laughs) triggering and over dramatic like me and patricia to be a good person Although those qualities do
1: automatically make you a good person. But like, you guys, the thing about this magazine company, let me say this. Samantha grew up in Alaska. She had kind of a rough growing up. We'll get back to that in a second. But like this magazine gig was like her adventure job. Because the whole draw of this company was that they take you all over the country and like drop you in a neighborhood to go sell magazine subscriptions. And so like the pitch of it is that you get to see the world.
3: She had decided that she wanted to see the world. It was just, oh, wow, you're going to take me all over the country and I'm going to get to see everything. If something sounded good to her, she'd just
4: do it.
1: But Chris is saying that, like, it sounded way better than it was.
4: They just kind of slave drove us. There was no excuses. You know, you didn't have your sales for the day. You were bumming off somebody else to eat.
1: If you didn't meet your quota, they didn't give you money or feed you? I was like, what kind of, like, orphan Annie situation are we dealing with here?
0: That's what I was like, who's in charge? How are these kids not eating if they don't sell enough magazine subscriptions.
1: I know. I know. I'm like, I would have signed up for Redbook for you, Christopher. If you had knocked on my door, girl, I would have been like, Redbook, people, give me time, give me news, what? <laughs>
0: give me time, give me news. Like, <laughs> so apparently this was just super stressful and they ended up leaving their team in Sacramento. But like, this is so crazy. I
1: feel like after four weeks of not eating because they couldn't sell enough fucking entertainment weekly to people, they were finally like, I think we got a piece out of this.
0: Yeah. Also, like the adult in me was like, you can't always leave situations that you're not happy with just because you're not happy. Like they had no money between them. But what if they haven't had a meal in four days? Why don't you want them to eat, Ellen? I do want them to eat. (laughs) I think they were being a little bit dramatic because we're going to find out later they go back. I I know. (laughs) So it couldn't have been all that bad. Like in my mind, I think of being 18 and 22 years old and you're working all day and then you're like laying in a hotel room and smoking pot and ordering Papa John's and you're just hanging out and then in the morning you're like, oh, I don't want to go walking around selling (laughs) magazines. I get it! (laughs) I wouldn't want to You signed up for that. You signed up to go door-to-door selling magazines. That sounds like it sucks. (laughs) I am agreeing with you. If they hadn't have gone back, I would have been like, okay, they needed to get out of that bad situation. But then they're like, ugh, now we're jobless and we don't have, should we go back to the magazine, please? And they're like, yeah, it wasn't so bad. I think we were a bit dramatic. So
1: they call Samantha's mom. She agrees to pay for one more night at the motel. I paid for a second night
3: and I is that I had always done. Where do you want to go? I'll buy you a plane ticket home. I'll buy you a bus ticket to your grandma's. I want you to come home. but if you won't come home, where will you go that you're safe?
1: The mom's like, I'll send you to your aunt's house. I'll get you a plane ticket home. What do you want to do? And they're like, actually, Chris's mom lives not too far from here. We're just going to go there. So they get to Chris's mom's house. And Chris, who's with us today, is like, Sir, yeah, my mom didn't really actually want us there at all. Yeah,
0: the awkward <laughs> giggling. I really wasn't I... sure, like, the whole story. Like, he was just like, yeah, it didn't work out. And I was like, <laughs> what's behind that giggle, dude?
1: What's behind that giggle? And we're going to learn Chris's mom totally sucks. But she like didn't want Chris and Samantha to stay there. So they got to go. And they're like, all right, I guess we'll just go back to that magazine
0: job. This is what I'm saying. They're like, should we go back to the... The magazine job wasn't that bad. It's not as bad as being at my mom's house. I know. You know what I mean? So it could not have been that bad. But
1: so you guys, on Saturday, September 24th, 2005, they go to the bus station where they're going to, I guess, go back to Sacramento and be like, just kidding. I really want to keep selling National Geographic to people who don't want or need some magazine subscriptions. But the thing is, a girl goes missing. Yet this is the craziest part of the story. They get to the bus station to go back to their magazine gig. And instead, they get intercepted by another magazine company who on the spot hires them to do that same job but for this magazine company
2: a new opportunity arises one that will impact their lives forever
4: two guys approached us and uh, asked us if we wanted a job and i already knew that they were going to try to get us on uh, some kind of sales crew
2: the couple is recruited to join a new magazine crew that's staying at a hotel next door
1: The magazine people, like the new magazine people, are staying at this super shady motel right next to the fucking bus station. And Chris and Samantha are like, cool, sounds like fun. Let's go there tonight instead.
0: Yeah, it's so wild. So they go check into the motel and then Samantha's like, hey, all these new people that apparently we're traveling with selling magazines door to door are going to the movies. And Chris is like, yeah, I'm not going to the movies with those people. So Samantha's like, cool, I'm going to go meet my new magazine subscription friends and goes to the movies with these people.
4: She asked if I wanted to go, too. I said, you know, go ahead. I don't want to go. Have fun and, you know, be careful. See you when you get back. And I gave her a kiss, and she took off.
2: Several hours later, the crew returns to the hotel. What should have been a relaxing Saturday night suddenly takes an ominous turn. Samantha isn't with them.
0: So they all come back from the movies and Chris is like, hey, where's Samantha? And they're like, oh, did she um, looks like she did not looks like she did not arrive back with us. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Turns out she's not she's not one, two, three. Yeah, no, she's not here. She's not with us.
4: At first, I didn't even know what to think. I was like, where the hell is she? You know, she didn't, she left with them. She didn't come back with them. Where's she at? It was panic. Desperate, Chris starts drilling the others. I asked everybody, where the hell Samantha at? And, oh, she got up in the middle of the movie and she just, she just ran out.
0: So basically they say that she got up in the middle of the movie, ran out crying, and... Yes, being a down bitch, Chris is really concerned with how not concerned everybody else is. Everyone is cool as a cucumber. And he's like, no, you left with my girlfriend and you didn't come back with her.
1: But I feel like somebody in that room, like the gay guy in the room was like, girl... We found you at a bus station. Remember that part? You're now in a shady fucking hotel in some town none of us have ever heard of, girl. What would you think was going to happen, girl? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Leave it to the gay to give the real solid reality check.
1: And he's like stirring a picture of Cosmos in the background. Yeah. Girl,
0: <laughs> we found your ass at a bus station. How did you think this was going to end, girl? So Chris heads back to the theater and he just is inspecting everything. He's talking to the ticket taker. He's talking to the people. And everyone was like, nope didn't, no, 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 did not see anybody like that. He searched inside. He searched the parking lot. He walks back to the hotel. It's a mile away. Like he walked a mile. Like,
1: this is what I'm saying. This is why Chris is the down bitch. I really like Chris. He's really concerned about her. Of course. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, he's really doing everything he can. And he's saying that like, I was mad at these people, but I believed them. Like everybody had the same story, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's actually pretty unbelievable. I am the type of person where if there's like someone new in the group, I would always try and make them feel welcome. And the fact yes. that everyone was yeah. just like... You sh-
1: guys, if you're going to go selling like magazines across the country with anybody, you want Ellen <laughs> on your fucking team. Number one, because she will get those goddamn magazines sold <laughs> come hell or goddamn high water. And also, none of y'all are going missing.
0: Yeah, ever!
1: The reason Ellen knows the term down bitch is because it was invented for her. <laughs> As listeners of this podcast, you're all safe. Nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs>
0: No one's gonna harm you, not while I'm around. Except
1: you are gonna have to listen to that from time to time. Small price to pay, small price to pay.
0: Honestly, you can't have all the gifts. Right. But, uh, but, but thank you for saying that. But yeah, it just, I felt, I imagined Chris, the exasperation and the fear, and then also being like, does anyone wanna go with me? And yeah, I know. to your point, they're like, dude, we met you five minutes ago. Like, no one really seems to care.
1: The gay in the background making the cosmos, like, all kinds. How far is it though? A mile. Oh, yeah, no, that's far. Yeah. That sounds like a walk. Yes. No, no, girl. Yeah, we found you at a bus station, girl.
0: <laughs> Call me when you get back, though. Okay? <laughs> we'll watch Golden Girls. I'll save you some cosmos.
1: I'm, I'm drinking all of these Cosmos.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna save some for you.
1: I'm not saving it. They're, it's already gone. <laughs> it's already
0: gone. He just tips I'm tips the picture back. hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to save you some though, I promise. So sweet Chris walks back to the hotel, calls Mama Mary to see if she's heard anything. Now it's like one o'clock in the morning. So then Mama Mary says something that's uh, a little alarming to me. <laughs> right. She's like, oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I forgot to tell you this. <laughs> Turns out.
1: <laughs> Your comic timing in this monologue is great so far. Keep it up, the- girl. <laughs>
0: Turns out Samantha does randomly take off to go places from time to time.
4: She told me that this it wasn't unlike Samantha to just go off and do her own thing and not tell anybody where she's going. Basically, it sounded to me, you know, kind of like she she probably took off on you and uh, she she might be somewhere else with somebody else.
1: Chris tells us that the mom's like, oh yeah, no, she's got another boyfriend in a neighboring town. Girl, I think she left you. But then it cuts to the mom and she goes.
4: I was pretty sleepy
3: when he woke me up. I think I mentioned to him that she'd had a boyfriend that was in a nearby city. She had run away so many times. Anything got stressful or too hard. It was kind of her MO. Oh
1: yeah, I was pretty sleepy when he called me. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what I said. Um and basically she's just saying that like she's like this. Like all of her life she would sneak out, she'd run away. We would have no idea where she was. And sorry girl, but could you forward her shit to us though for when she gets back here?
0: Yeah. And she said that she said when she turned about 13, she started acting out, which tracks. That's about when, you know, hormones start and young women start acting out a little bit. And she said she was sneaking out. Now I just want to say this one little statement. In my house growing up, there was an actual door in our laundry room where you could open and walk out of the door. You could just walk out of the door. I lived in such fear of my five foot three Italian mother with a wooden (laughs) spoon that I never dared look at that door. So kids who snuck out of your house.
1: Yeah. How
0: did you do that? How did you just sneak out of your house?
1: Yeah, I was such a good kid. I, I, I'm on record as saying that, like, I was such a nerd. I lived in fear of being a freshman in high school, being forced into a bathroom where people would inject cocaine into my arms as a way of getting me addicted to drugs so that I would then be like their mule. (laughs)
0: Drugs are expensive, my love. They're not going to waste it on your little chub chub arms and sticking <laughs> cocaine in your arms.
1: I really thought that you injected cocaine and that they were going to do it to me just to be mean and to get me addicted as a joke.
0: Just the planning—that the they, they, they had a meeting. They like rolled out blueprints. They're like, "He's coming from drama club at C period. We'll get him in the bathroom at D period, and we're going to inject him with the drugs. Are we all? Are we good, Clarence? You know what you got to do." Right? (laughs) Like, it's a plan.
1: They look around and they're they're like, okay, we are five burly straight football players. We will be wrestling him into a bathroom. He's going to be excited at first, but don't let him get too excited, you guys. (laughs) Right away, we got to show him who's
0: (laughs) boss. Boys, where are you taking me? Uh... Don't fall for it. I told you he'd get excited. (laughs) Keep injecting him with the drugs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so like the thing about this whole bit is that like as soon as Samantha's mom tells Chris all of this, he immediately gets mad and he's not worried anymore and he's not looking for her. Like that's the scary part of this. that Like he was really on the hunt. Like I can imagine he would have been like checking hospitals, checking police precincts. And he just feels like my girlfriend just walked out on me. And so fuck her.
4: There was definitely a a spot where I, I hoped that she would come back. It just never happened.
2: About a week after Samantha disappears... Chris and the magazine crew head to Phoenix,
4: their next destination. After that, I I didn't really have any contact with Samantha's mom at all. I did think about contacting her, but if she just left, then that's not even something that I want to think about. It's just a bad memory, my girlfriend leaving me.
1: And so remember, he's got this new magazine gig with this new magazine company. They're heading off to Phoenix, and that's kind of it. Like, he holds on to her suitcase for a while. Like, that's kind of the deal he makes with the mom. But, like, doesn't really keep in touch with anybody. And that's kind of, like, serious rap on Chris.
0: Yeah. And so I have a big, big journey with Mama Mary here. Yeah. She doesn't seem very phased, or as you would say, nonplussed. Um, <laughs>
1: I stand by it! My favorite comment in the group was somebody was like, I heard him say non-plus, and I went, oh, so close.
0: Yeah, yeah. So close, so cute. What a hot dummy. But, you know, Mama Mary's like, listen, when she runs out of money, she's gonna give me a call. It's no big deal. Like, more on that later. Can I just
1: also say one quick thing here? This is where Mama Mary starts, like, calling everybody she can think of who, like, knew Samantha, right? To see if, like, anyone's in touch with her. To see if anybody knows anything. She calls Chris's mom. Remember, they went to stay at Chris's house. They only stayed there for a night because Chris's mom didn't want them staying there anymore.
4: Over the next few days, Mary attempted to contact Chris's mother, but received only voicemail and didn't get any callbacks.
1: But she calls Chris's mom and leaves a message on the answering machine that's like, hi, my daughter's missing. You're like the last actual grown-up to see her. Could you just call me back? Chris's mom never calls her back.
0: Right, and but she did say she called her every few days. Yeah. And like, that word is pluralized with an S on the end. So like, I mean, several days, like she let several days go by. In my mind, I just would have been probably calling several times a day rather than every several days. I
1: agree. I just want to I really want to give Chris's mom some shit here. Like he kicks the kids out like with hardly any money. Yeah. And then won't call back the mother of the missing girl that just stayed the night at her house. Like what an
0: asshole. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all very confusing. So we meet Sergeant Chris Fisher. Chris Fisher is adorable, but he looks like a member of my family. So I'm going to call him Sergeant Meatball because I'm Italian and it's my God-given right to call other people meatballs. That's what it says in the Constitution. Um... <laughs>
1: Look, leave her alone. She's had a rough month, all right? (laughs) The Lady Constitution just, she's smoking a cigarette in Hawaii, sitting on a fucking lounge chair.
0: She's exhausted. So we know that Mama Mary is calling everyone in her phone. She's been doing that for the past week.
1: I called everybody on my
3: phone list that I had had for keeping track of her that she kept in contact with regularly. I probably did that for every day for a week. And nobody had heard anything. She never stayed out of contact with everybody for a week.
1: She might not have called me. But she never stayed out of contact. So after two weeks, mom tries to file a missing persons report. And
0: Two weeks? You just glossed over that. I
1: know. I know. I mean, I know. I, but the, the truth of the matter is, like, is she really missing? You know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: so, you know, she says the cops in Alaska tell her that she's got to call the precinct in California where she was last seen. Of course, the mom has no fucking information on that. The only information she has is Chris's mom. She calls her over and over. The mom won't call her back. Piece of shit, if you ask me. Then she finally gets, like, Some information for some police precinct somewhere near where her daughter last was she calls the cops they tell her they can't take the missing persons report and they hang up on her they
0: hang up on her and you know this is what the mom says
1: i always thought
3: that you know when somebody went missing you went through your police department and they helped you and i couldn't get any help
1: and I couldn't get any help. And, that, you know, that to me was so heartbreaking because it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And I'll tell you, Mama Mary, like, can write a book on what you do because she fucking figures it out and she does it. But, like, in that moment of realizing, like, this is a turning point for her because she realizes I'm in this by myself. If I if this case is going to get solved, it's going to be solved by me.
0: Right. And then we're already at two months. We're at November in 2005. And she just explained to us how Samantha loved the holidays. She would never miss contacting people on the holidays. Um, She had a really great relationship with her aunt and she always sent her aunt a card and it was just really sweet and it was just you know we're assuming now Mary is assuming that she has been abducted or that she has been trafficked. I
1: just love that she said that like the mom was like well I was expecting a call around Christmas but she would never not send her aunt Liz a Christmas card and I was like ouch. Yeah. If I'm the mom I'm like ouch.
0: Right I know and all to say the holidays came and went and we're at January in 2006 and Mary tells us she continues her online search and this kind of gets really dark because she starts looking on websites for unidentified bodies
3: I kept it kind of secret I didn't want anybody to know that that I was looking for my daughter's dead body my husband thought that it wasn't healthy for me to be doing that when my husband would go to sleep at night I would slip out of bed and search the internet all night long and when it was time for him to get up and go to work I'd slip quietly into bed next to him, and when he'd go to work, I'd get what I had to done and back to searching the internet. It became my secret prison.
1: She does this obsessively.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's
1: the part that like really got me. Like she doesn't know what to do. And so it feels like she's like sort of intentionally going to the absolute darkest place. Yeah. But she's looking at the Doe Network. And the Doe Network is this volunteer website. They compile a database of artist renderings of the unidentified dead. And like it includes everything about like the details of when they were found and where they were found and whatever they can, whatever sort of details they can give about the case to help identify. So like if you have a missing loved one, you can get on this website and like it's just like sad as that is, it's a it, it becomes like a place where you can go to look and see if maybe your missing loved one is there. And I just want to say the people who put that shit together are fucking heroes. Like they have to live in that day in, day out, and they do that as like a as just like a good thing to do. And like fucking heroes, whoever, whoever does that. So, it's February 23rd, 2006. It's four months since she's vanished. And the mom gets this unexpected call from a detective in Hanahan, South Carolina. They found her fucking suitcase.
2: When Hanahan investigators open the suitcase, what they find is
4: disturbing. Inside the luggage was some of Samantha's clothing, along with uh, male clothing.
3: It was mostly men's clothes and baseball hats. There was a sweater of Samantha's that I had bought her, and one of Samantha's socks, but nothing else in the luggage was hers.
0: And she thinks that's sort of like a little glimmer of hope that maybe she's still alive. But the way that they found it was so crazy. A man found a suitcase in his driveway. Like, if I found an unidentified
1: suitcase in my driveway, I would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a fucking head in there. There's no way there's not a goddamn head in there.
0: Uh, would you open it? No! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> I the scared part of you says no, but the as shit part of you is like, oh, I want to open it.
1: <laughs> the scared part of me says no. The part of me that wants the like $90,000 in drug money that's in there says yes.
0: Yeah. What if there was just a bunch of vials of cocaine? Then <laughs> they were like, shoot this into your arm. <laughs> and you were like, oh, I, I guess I have to shoot the cocaine in my arm. I just... <laughs>
1: I just feel like, I feel like everything is a bomb. I live in Manhattan where that's not an unfrequent occurrence. Yeah. So I probably would not, I probably would not open it. And and the cops in this little town are pretty awesome. Like, they really combed this town for like three weeks looking for her. Right. And they find nothing. And the cop is like on the phone with the mom being like, we looked for three weeks, we can't find her. And by the fucking way, why have you not filed a missing persons report? The mom says they scolded her and she's like, bitch, I tried. When I told him
3: how long it had been since we've heard from Pre- the first thing he did was scold me for not filing a missing persons report. And I said, whoa, stop, stop. I've, I, I've tried to file a missing persons report. Nobody will take this report, and I don't know what to do. He said, I will make sure that this gets done. And he contacted the Alaska State Patrol, and he, he told them that if they wouldn't file the report, he would
0: tells the story and he's mortified by this story and he was like, I will take care of this. We are getting this missing persons report filed.
1: So it's March 6, 2006 and it's six months after Samantha vanished and the Alaska State Troopers, after getting their asses handed to them from this cop from North Carolina, they finally take the missing persons report and they put the details into this thing called NCIC. It's the National Crime Information Center. And so like, that makes Samantha's uh, like missing persons information available to law enforcement nationwide. And the mom is, like, supplying fingerprints and dental records. And basically, this makes it so that, like, if Samantha gets pulled over in any state or has any interaction with a cop and they look her up, they'll see that she's, like, in the missing persons database.
0: Right. And they knew that they had those things because, remember, previously, Samantha had tried to run away. So they were like, oh, wait, no, we do have her fingerprints from, like, when she was brought into the police station. So, good. We're good on that. We have her fingerprints. Yeah. So Mama Mary is back at the Doe Network.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Before we go any further, I want to say— so I, I've i been using my, like, voice to—I've been dictating to my computer rather than typing. Uh-huh. So I'll say things, and it writes it out as a note. Uh-huh. Every time I said dough Network, it autocorrected to Donut Work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that tracks! Your, com- your computer's like, did he say "doughnut Network? And they're like, who is it? <laughs> Patrick, you know Patrick, the one who uses this computer. Sometimes he's like, "Oh no, no, he didn't say donut work. He said donut work. Oh,
1: donut work. I just love that. Like even the computer's like, mm, he seems like a donut guy. I yeah. think that's what he meant. I think he really look at him. He looks like he likes
0: a donut or two. I think. I think it's. I think it's. It's donut work. It's donut work. <laughs> All hands for donut work before I correct this on this guy's computer. Donut work. Yeah. Yeah. Steven donut work. Yeah. So Mary is still plugging away at the donut work site, trying to find any information that she can. So one picture keeps striking her.
3: I found a picture that kind of looked like Samantha. It looked like she could have been a, a, a sister or a cousin. I couldn't seem to get past the description of the clothing was exactly the type of clothing that Samantha wore.
0: And she was comparing it and like, oh, that kind of looks like Samantha, maybe a relative. And then she was comparing some of the stats, but some of them were different. Like the shoe size was a little different. She was saying this Jane Doe was a seven and Samantha was a five. It was also a lot of things that could have been cross-referenced on the national database. And she's like, no, that can't be right because they have all of this information. They would have known that this is Samantha. So even though her eye keeps coming back to this particular picture, she knows it can't logistically be Samantha. And
1: let me explain something that they don't explain until much later that I was like, how would they have a picture of Samantha? You know what I mean? Like, because, so on the Doe Network, these are all unidentified bodies, right? So like, they only become aware of these people after they're dead. So how do they have a picture of them? Right. And so what they actually do is the coroner will take a a photograph of the dead body, of like the face of the dead body, and then give that to an artist who will make a rendering of what that person probably really looked like. And then that's the picture that goes up on the Doe Network. And so... That's why the mom is like, it looks like Samantha, but it like doesn't exactly it like resembles her. The other thing that the mom keeps coming back to, though like some of the things match Samantha and some don't, the thing that really struck the mom and that really struck me too is that the date matches. So this body was found the night that Samantha went missing. And like the body was found within a couple of hours of when Chris, the boyfriend called her to say that she was missing. So like that's one of the reasons the mom keeps coming back to this photo.
0: Right. And So then she emails her sister.
1: I emailed my sister, Liz, a
3: copy of the picture. When Liz called me the next morning, She said, I think it's
1: her.
0: So she finally gets the guts to call the coroner in San Bernardino. I mean, could you imagine making that call?
1: No, but this guy is fucking awesome. This guy, David, he's the coroner down there. And he tells us like, I'm so sorry. I don't think this is going to be your daughter. Because for the last 19 months, we've been trying to match this Jane Doe to 159 other missing Girls. To which I said, why are there so many missing girls? Yeah. That's a real question.
0: Yeah. Why? Yeah. No, I know. I, I was, I actually, I get when I can't understand something. I turn on subtitles. I thought I misunderstood that. I
1: know. So the coroner is telling us, look, what it all comes down to, in order to identify anybody, but especially this body, we need fingerprints, DNA, or dental records.
0: Which is coincidentally what I have all men bring on a date with me. Never can be too careful. <laughs> I'm a safety girl. <laughs>
1: and he's saying like all of that because she was put into the NCIC database or whatever it's called he's like all of that stuff should be there and he checks and it turns out that none of that shit was ever actually entered because back when they were filing this they were like don't worry Mama Mary you don't need to give us any of this we already have it from all of those times she ran away and all of her encounters with the cops they had actually destroyed her fingerprints like years before Yeah. so that was never attached to her NCIC file
0: in Alaska these are the Alaskan cops who did that but
1: then they also didn't tell Mama Mary that they had done that and also like the local dentist office that was supposed to send them the dental records to be attached to her NCIC file also never
0: did that. But Mama Mary thought all of that shit was on there all along. Right. Yeah. So everybody except for Mary is out to lunch. Like Everyone is out to lunch. Let the women do the work. So Mama Mary in like a matter of days is like, boom, here are her fingerprints. Here are her dental records. Here's everything. And everything that nobody could provide in that year, Mama Mary got in like 48 hours.
1: Yeah. And there's one other thing that I want to say. This is a little confusing. So I'm going to try to be as clear about it as possible. The coroner is saying, look, the date that your daughter went missing is after the date that this body was found, too. So, like, it couldn't be her because she was still alive when this body was found. And when they, like, dig into that a little further, they see that in the NCIC report, that, like, is what is used to identify, like, missing people. They had entered the date that the police report was taken as the day that she went missing. We learn that this body is Samantha. They matched Samantha. It is her. And the coroner is telling us without the hard work of Mama Mary, this never would have happened.
2: What was critical in this particular instance was that Mary Weir started her own investigation. At the time she was searching for Samantha, Mary never knew about the inaccurate date on Samantha's NCIC record because it is only available to law enforcement personnel.
0: And That's why what Mama Mary, her gut was like, I think this is my daughter. And she kept saying, no, it would have pinged. It would have cross-referenced because they have all that information. Right. And they had the wrong freaking date. Like, this is a level of incompetent that I have never seen before. It's just unbelievable that, like,
1: you know, there's 18 seasons of this show. How many of them are these people are still missing for shit like this? Yeah. Like, the clerical errors that are done that make it so these reports don't get matched digitally. Like, that. It's crazy to me. The mom goes, by the way, I did everything
0: right.
3: I did everything right. I did everything that they let me do. I did everything I could do. I filed the reports. I looked. I called. I begged. I pleaded for help. And I thought I had gotten it
0: all to say without Mama Mary being like an internet sleuth this match would have never been made and it was just it was based she was on truly her own investigation. Yeah
1: and then we we learn because like they know the circumstances of how this body died. Right. Now that we've identified it as Samantha we find out what fucking happened. Right. This all happens like two years later but we find out she died that night. So when she like ran out of the movie theater or whatever happened the next time Samantha is seen she She's literally on like this crazy, busy interstate highway, like a five lane highway, like running at night. And all we know from witnesses who were there were like all of a sudden there's this person running on the highway and she gets hit by multiple cars. Yeah. And that's how she died.
0: So the coroner explains that like when they found her, you know, she didn't match any of the qualifications of, say, you know, a person experiencing homelessness or maybe somebody who was on drugs. Like she was clean, she was nourished, she was fine, she was, you know, fed, all of these things. Yeah. So they were very confused as to what happened when she was found on the freeway. So she was running with the direction of traffic. Yeah. In the middle of the lanes. And then she was crisscrossing, and that's how she was struck by multiple cars. So a couple of weird things when they found her, her pockets were turned inside out. So we'll talk about Mama Mary's theory on that in one second. They also found trace amounts of alcohol, cannabis, and methamphetamines in her body. And the driver who was said to allegedly hit her first said that she did have sort of a blank stare, maybe a sort of out of it, maybe a drug-induced sort of way about her.
1: But they say that, like, you know, none of the stuff in her system would have been enough to, like, have her be fucked up. And, like, my only thought, like, the bottom line is we never get any answers on how she got to the highway, how long she had been on the highway before she got hit. Nobody really knows. And, like, my only thought was, like, I mean, either she was going there to die by suicide or she was just out of it and somehow wandered onto the freeway. Or was she in a car? Had she been abducted and she, like, was able to break free, but, like, it was in the middle of the highway and that's how she ended up there? Like, we don't ever really get an answer on this except that they say that like, I mean, what the police finally come to is that they are not searching for anybody in connection with this crime. They think it was like just a terrible accident.
0: Right. And Mama Mary doesn't think that. She thinks maybe she was in trouble that night. Maybe did she have drugs in her pocket and someone pulled them out? Was she in a car? Did she jump out of the car? Mama
1: Mary says, did the magazine group get mad at her and push her into the freeway? Yeah, I mean. Mama Mary. (laughs) These magazine kids don't seem like that type. They are just (laughs) out for an adventure of a lifetime, Mama Mary. They just want to see the world
0: They just want to see the world One motel at a time
1: <laughs> One like filthy Fucking disgusting DNA splattered Motel room at a time
0: Yeah you worked through that That was a good one That was <laughs> a good You really
1: You ever get like Halfway through saying something You're like I, I wonder if I'm gonna make this funny Yeah yeah I wonder if we're gonna come out of the other end of this sentence Laughing or not I, Who knows
0: Yeah literally every day It's all a workshop It's like a Rolodex up here <laughs> Whatever comes out I don't even know <laughs> But it was just such a tragic end. And honestly, it would still be a mystery if Mama Mary did not take everything in her own hands. And the coroner, David Van Norman, says something that I have been saying on this podcast several yes. times. And he just encourages people to have their records in order. Yeah. Um. You know, because this was a main thing that held it up was that, you know, we were waiting for the fingerprints to come from Anchorage, Alaska, to California, San Bernardino. And it's like, if, you know, no, she, to Mama Mary by any means, but, you know, just have your records in order. And you know, the last thing that I want to say about Mary, and this kind of goes for everything in life, but she was definitely her own advocate. And you know, it just falls under the umbrella of, you know, never apologize for how you want to handle something. Yeah. You know, I would be a crazy person and I would, you know, probably freak out, but however I choose to deal with something that would possibly go wrong with a member of my family, you know, do your research, know your your rights. Follow your gut. Know your worth. And nobody goes sell magazines door to door.
1: <laughs> I almost want to see a member of your family go missing just to watch you fucking find them. I think that would be
0: incredible. <laughs> I would be. I would be the news. Like I wouldn't be on the news. I would just yeah. be the news. <laughs> bow. 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 bow, bow, bow. bow. <laughs>
1: You guys, we did disappear in Season 3, Episode 11. We're almost done with Season 3, girl. Season 3 feels longer than the rest of them.
0: <laughs> no, you're just, you just have less time for my shit. That's why. <laughs>
1: You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us on the Patreon right now. You get three full bonus episodes every month, plus you get Friday Night Live in podcast form on Monday morning. We get monthly trivia, which is thousands of people. It's going to be fucking bananas. Right now we're recapping Snapped, girl, and these episodes are really funny. If you want to learn about gays
0: that guard gates somewhere in Mississippi, get on the Patreon. Get on the Patreon. Join us. You can get some ad-free episodes. You can get some bonus content. You can get on our Close Friends Circle on Instagram. It's a last and a half
1: I gotta say the close friends thing on Instagram is really fun like we do just like do behind the scenes shit I had to yell at everybody last week because you guys all pulled a prank on me and I had to let them know that my feelings were a little hurt
0: it was such a good prank (laughs) <laughs> I really, really did not think you were going to find out about that. But there is a mole among us, and I will find you. Somebody told him. You guys also
1: join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast discussion group. Totally free to join. You don't have to be on the Patreon to be there. Just come hang out with us. Talk about the episodes. Meet your true crime best friends. Follow us on Instagram, The Disappeared Pod, where every Friday night we go live. We call it Friday Night Live. We have a blast. We just make fun of each other and take your questions.
0: And you can follow Patrick at Patrick Hines underscore on everything that you want to follow him on. And you can follow me at Ellen Marsh on Instagram and Twitter and Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok. My
1: Instagram is Patrick Hines underscore. My Twitter is at Patrick Hines. So, I mean, it's like.
0: Nobody, nobody cares about your Twitter. (laughs)
1: Chrissy Teigen cares about it.
0: (laughs) You're really funny on Twitter. I'm just saying that. You are really funny. You have some... Re- you should do Twitter more.
1: I do. I like Twitter. I got into a fight with Diane Diamond on Twitter yesterday, in fact.
0: I thought you guys were best friends.
1: We were best friends until she came for me, and then I had to come back for her. What did she say?
0: <laughs> You're to have to go to my Twitter to find out, you guys. Oh, it's a cliffhanger. Bow, 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 that's just like sex music to me now. I'm like, hey, do you want me to turn on some mute music? And i would be like I'm like, yeah, that's my jam. Alright, you guys, we love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.
1: As far as Chris saying that we would go to apartment buildings, condos, townhouses, as long as there was a door there, you knocked on it. I said, what would happen if you found a house without a door? It's yeah. kind of an existential question, don't you think?
0: <laughs> it's just a beaded curtain. They're like, Hello? <laughs> I'm like, where do you go? the The bulkhead. Yeah. <laughs> do you go to you go to the bulkhead. We took a bus to Orlando. To Orlando. It was 36 hours, and we're like, it'll be an adventure. <laughs> it wasn't an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. I want to
1: help you because I love you, but I also think you're crazy.
0: <laughs> I have no. Re- I I I have I have no rebuttal for that.
1: Mama Mary goes. I mean, it wasn't the worst time of my life, but it was close. And I went, "Oh, Mama Mary has stories."
0: I know, and I. It gets worse. Does anyone have eyes on Mama Mary? (laughs) I am worried about her.
1: (laughs) We get the on-screen text that says March 2005, Palmer, AK, and I went, "We're going to Arkansas." (laughs) And then I had my neck notice. Oh nope, Alaska.
0: For anyone who's listening that is new to the podcast, we majored in musical theater.
1: <laughs> Wait, I have a question. You know how, like, there's, for, like, gays, there's, like, grinder and Manhunt. Like, all those where you just, like, show your, like, you just show your genitals? Yeah. Do they have that for straight people?
0: No, straight people are refined and classy. <laughs>
1: like Donald Trump?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You got a lot of real winners on your team. I can't not think of donut work. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. It's so funny.
1: I would love to keep doing this with you. Unfortunately, I have to get back to my donut work.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, that sounds so delicious right now.